Hey there, it's Kelly from Zinimi. Before we get started on today's episode, I want to invite you to one of our greatest trainings ever. It's how to build and grow a profitable solo or group practice sustainably. All you got to do is check it out at zinimi.com slash podcast. All right, on to our episode. Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast. Today we are joined by Dr. Megan Connell, a psychologist who has a really fun niche that has led into lots of other endeavors and most recently a book. And we're really excited to share her story about discovering this niche and how it has informed all the different ways that she has practiced and put her knowledge out into the world. And I want you to stick around because this book is something, if you see kids, teens, families, this is a great book for you. All right. Welcome, Megan. Hi, thank you so much for having me. It's really great to be here. I for those who are listening to the podcast, they can't see your setup, but I love your background. <laughs> so many fun games and really, uh, let's see what's back there. I see some. We have a little trinkets. goblin. There you go. Got, yep. Some Funko Pops from there Critical Role and D&D stuff. And then the big old DSM-5 TR, which is <laughs> right very next to thick. The D&D, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. It is. I love me some Funko. It's like one of my favorite stores in LA to go to. So yes. let's talk a little bit about your niche and how you discovered this in your practice. Yeah. So I am a geek therapist. I'm a certified geek therapist. I am a big time geek nerd. Uh, I was in the military for the first uh, seven years of my career as a psychologist. Mm -hmm. And when I got out, I had this sort of crisis of like, I have to figure out what I'm going to wear every day. <laughs> and I can actually be myself more in my practice and I don't have to be representing the U.S. government anymore. Mm. And one of my core values is having integrity and being consistent. And I am a geek. And so I was like, well, there are geeks out there. And I really wanted my niche in a lot of ways to be working with geeks and gamers. And so I leaned into that heavily. I'm also a big tabletop role-playing game person. Mm -hmm. And I started playing tabletop role-playing games just for fun. I had played them as a kid, but then I started playing them again as an adult. And I realized I was learning a lot about my personality and a lot about myself. And so then I wanted to start integrating using tabletop role-playing games into therapy practice. Mm -hmm. And so I've been doing that for a number of years and have helped to create a certification in becoming a therapeutic game master. And I have a book coming out about how to do tabletop role-playing playing therapy uh, that I'm very, very excited about. I'm really fascinated by this idea of taking something that you love, finding the therapeutic application, and then creating that kind of what are some standard good, you know, case of use kind of examples and how you teach on that. How, what was that evolution? Because no one's like, here, this is how you do gaming and pair it with, <laughs> with psychotherapy. So what was that like? to be kind of creating from scratch without any guideposts per se. Well, I, I actually think I did have some guideposts because my bachelor's degree is in music, but I was mm. starting off as becoming a music therapist. Um, mm. But I am a bad guitar player. And I'm not saying that just to be like, I'm bad, but I'm actually good. No, no, I'm legitimately not a good guitar player. Like my uh, department head said, you either need to be take a year off and get better at guitar or change your major. <laughs> so <laughs> I was like, at that point, I was like, I knew I wanted to be a psychologist. So I was like, I'll just change my major, graduate and go on about my life. Mm -hmm. um, 
And so I had all this training, though, in music therapy of how to use something that is non-traditional therapy as a therapeutic tool. Mm. So learning to play music with the purpose of teaching behavioral skills. And so taking that framework and that foundational knowledge in music therapy, it was pretty easy to start applying the same sorts of ideas into gaming. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I think a lot of us will have identified like a song or a a moment in music where we've had this, you know, amazing carthesis and just like, oh, yes, this speaks to me. This hits me on a really deeply emotional level, you know, and so it is very therapeutic just to listen to music, but that is not music therapy. Right. You know, music therapy is utilizing music to help reach non-music related goals. And so in much the same way, gaming is using the game to help teach people non-gaming related skills. Mm-hmm. Tabletop games, for those who are not familiar, what you do is you have a character that you play and in a fantasy setting. Mm-hmm. And so you're you're sitting around a table with other people and one person who acts as the game master. And they narrate the story. They create all the non-player characters that you interact with, run the monsters that you might have to fight or deal with. And you and the other players at the table have to solve the problems. And so it's role-playing. And Mm -hmm. role-playing has such a deep foundation in therapy. Mm -hmm. And so it really was sort of this easy thing to go, oh, I could teach these people a relaxation skill, like a deep breathing skill, like how to check in and monitor their heart rate and know when they're getting excited and how to calm themselves down. And then I could put their characters in a highly anxiety provoking situation and give them an opportunity to have their characters practice this skill set. It's an externalization. Interesting. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And like, we know like role-playing and rehearsal is incredibly important to increase the likelihood that behaviors are going to happen. But nobody wants to role play themselves, right? Right. <laughs> nobody no. wants to have to do that moment of like, all right, who wants to role play the client right now? <laughs> right? And like, and everyone's like, no, never, nope, don't, don't make me do that. But it's like, uh, when we give somebody a character sheet, when we give them the prompts of like, okay, you're going to role play, you know, uh, Kang the Conqueror here and go and do this stuff. It's like, okay, cool. I can do that. Yeah. Yeah. I can play this. And having that externalization, that avatar that's in the game and is doing these things, it also creates this amazing framework for the applied GM where when something really good happens, it's the player. Like, Mm -hmm. look what you did there. You did this amazing thing that was really clever and saved the day. When a big flub happens, it can be the character. It's like, man, it seems like your character's really having a bit of an off day today, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. Right. And so it's this interesting way to help the person kind of reframe and restructure the things that they're going through. Um, so it's, it's a really powerful tool. And I think it's just absolutely incredible the things that we can do with it. Do you use it in an individual context or more in the group context? More in the group. I have used it individually. I know there's a number of therapists out there who have gone through the training programs who use it, uh, they call it duet play. Uh, mm-hmm. so just one-on-one. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, I use it most, mostly in group settings. Mm. And what ages do you use it with? Uh, typically, I go middle school and up, so not necessarily like a hard like age. Um, sometimes sure. we'll go a little younger if they're more mature and able to engage with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like to bracket the games by, uh, you know, school level. So like having a middle school group, a high school group, a beyond mm-hmm. high school group. Mm-hmm. I think that work tends to work really well because people are going through a similar lived experience, and so you can bring in similar themes. Mm-hmm. I know one of our, I believe, one of our business schoolers went through. Um, one of your certifications as well. And I think that there is such a need for this. 
Um, even if you're a clinician who has never played a tabletop game, <laughs> your, your clients are. <laughs> your clients are curious about this stuff or they're already playing it. And what a great way to meet them in their interest and to bring exactly. that in in a healing way for them. Yeah. Yeah. And the certification in geek therapy that um, I also helped to create, like, we come to that with the belief that geekdom is its own unique culture. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for ethics with cultural competency, you know, understanding, you know, you don't have to be an expert in anime, but at least understand what anime is. You don't have to be an expert in tabletop gaming, but understand what it is, you know, and I think especially for, you know, more and more clients uh, are playing video games and there's a lot of power in playing video games and having a fear of, I don't want to talk about my video gaming because my therapist is going to say, oh, you're addicted and you need to not do this anymore. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's like, no, th this can be healthy too. Like mm -hmm. do some people take things too far? Of course, mm -hmm. but it's finding the balance and understanding what the function of the gaming is for the person. And again, how to meet them where they are. Mm -hmm. Because if we bring therapy up here and the, ask the clients to do this really big stretch, it's going to be hard for them. Mm -hmm. And so meeting them in their interests is going to be much more effective. I love that. So you have this practice, you niche, then you create this certification, and now you're launching a book. How, yes. how did you go from certification to now a book? The book was actually really interesting. Uh, I got uh, approached by the editor uh, who she sent me an email. I thought it was spam mail at first. I had another one of my friends look at it, but it was, you know, I approached her and talked about it. And uh, I started writing uh, the book while I was at a convention in October of 2021. And then when I was at another convention in uh, March of 2022, I turned it in. Mm -hmm. um, and so it it was a lot of work. I probably worked 15 to 20 hours a week on the book easily mm. um, to get it all done. And it was, it was very hard. I don't recommend writing a book in six months. <laughs> Just because you can do something doesn't mean you should you do should. something. That's my motto. <laughs> I live by that a lot. Um, in, in this process of writing a book, what did you love about it in terms of, is was there anything that was good for you to offer it, it this way? So much, I think. Like writing was a difficult process, but it gave me the chance to take everything that I've learned and really crystallize it and put it together in a, you know, concrete way. And one of the big things too for me is being at the pointy end of the spear and being some of the first providers to do this. Mm -hmm. I have made mistakes. I've made many mistakes in this and I've learned from that. And so this is an opportunity to, to put this out there and be like, hey, okay, I've made the mistake, so you don't have to. Yeah. Here are the things that I've learned, and I want you to take these lessons and move forward with them. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's also sort of this interesting thing because it's like recognizing already that the next generation of therapeutic game masters is coming up. Mm -hmm. and they're gonna take the, you know, take the torch and they're gonna do more with it than I ever could think of. And it's mm -hmm. both uh humbling and really cool to think about and how that's coming about. So it feels like legacy work. It does. It really does. And it's, it's really just, it's fascinating. And it's one of those things, I think a lot of times in our careers, we end up in a place where we didn't expect. And, you know, just to, I have these moments where I think about where I was, you know, 10 years ago, when I was, you know, a fairly newly licensed psychologist and still working. And if I went like, hey, guess what? In 10 years, you're going to have written a book on how to use D&D &D in therapy. I've been like, 
No, way. <laughs> no, no. Right. <laughs> yeah. I say, thank goodness. I am not where I thought I'd be. You know, I'm mm-hmm. glad to be surprised because 10 year ago, me was limited and limiting in my, my beliefs. Right. And, um, I, what I love about your story is following who you are being authentically yourself and then discovering through that how much people are attracted to when you step into that authenticity. People want to learn from that. Um, when mm-hmm. you when you have an interest and then you know how to apply it, what a beautiful way to give back to our community. I I if you're listening, think about it. What are you interested in? Because this is what can inform your entire practice, what you do beyond the couch, as we like to call it. Um, it doesn't have to be within what you see everybody else doing, right? Because yeah. nobody else was talking about tabletop games 10 years ago, really, that yeah. I recall. Yeah. And, and, and breaking the ice of that. And that's so important. And like uh, one of the things that I'm getting to do in 2023 is we're going to be opening the doors to a group practice here in Charlotte, North Carolina called HealthQuest Innovative Therapeutics. Mm. And that's sort of the point of HealthQuest is to be leaning into these newer innovative practices and Mm -hmm. finding those niches, finding those things that people are interested in and passionate Mm -hmm. about. And like, how do we bring that into the therapy room? Mm-hmm. You know, in what ways can we use, you know, the new developments in the field to help people and reach people in new and unexpected ways? Um, you know, so it, it's my business partner and I, and he's very into VR therapy mm-hmm. and usually in virtual reality. And I'm doing the tabletop side of things and, you know, bringing that together. And mm-hmm. it's this very cool blend of like being innovative and being different. Mm-hmm. You know, it's one of the things being very conscious about is like, breaking that mold of what therapy can look like. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, And And it's, I think that's why I'm saying about it's uncomfortable, right? It's not so easy when you're like, have this idea. No one else has really done it. I can apply some of my old learning, but I'm forging a new path and it can be uncomfortable, but it can be really exciting. And the only way the landscape is going to change is with people like you who take the risk who get a little uncomfortable and try something different. Um, Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So for this book, who did you write it for and what do you hope that they walk away with? So I wrote it for, I tried to hit two audiences with it. One being, you know, psychologists, counselors, therapists who are interested in how tabletop games are used and potentially using tabletop games. But I also wanted to write it in a way that people who love tabletop games can read it and learn about like, why is it that this game can reach me so deeply? What Mm -hmm. is it about this game that pulls me in that keeps me coming back? And to understand like, why is it I'm learning so much about myself from playing this game with my friends? Mm -hmm. And like, I'm hoping that the professionals who read it will walk away and be curious about potentially trying either playing or running therapeutic games themselves. Mm-hmm. And I hope that the gamers who read it will walk away understanding, you know, what it is they're learning about themselves and how they can maybe use role playing to help themselves grow and develop in the future. Mm-hmm. It's funny to me. I feel like role playing was such a big part of my education. I had to role play yeah. so much. <laughs> and why would we stop? Um, and I, I'm also fascinated watching my daughter. She's 11. And usually around this age in middle school, in the past, you see middle schoolers kind of start to, I, I'm too cool for games and I don't, you know, play 
role play like kids naturally do in person, right? And I see her on Roblox constantly role playing. Like that is all she does is RPGs. She is all about it. And they're all on FaceTime and they all have like their scenarios that they're playing out and things like this and listening to her. It's so insightful about like what she's picking up about the world, how she interprets it, um, how she wants to be in these different scenes. And I feel like it's extended her play, but also opened up her expression in ways that like other kids aren't getting because they aren't playing anymore. They're like, too cool. They're shutting that stuff down. And um, I love encouraging it in her. And it makes sense that that should never stop. It didn't in school. <laughs> and even as adults continuing to do it. It really is important. And when doing the research for the book, one of the studies I found, um, they actually proposed a different title for humans. And mm. I forget what the, it was the homost, you know, something, but it was man who plays Aww. because anthropologists, you know, when they discover different cultures, every culture that has been discovered has a game, mm -hmm. whether it's some form of a sporting, a game or a board game, or it, there is play like gaming is central to the human experience. Mm -hmm. And it's this very interesting thing that play is vital for us and it helps us engage and connect and unwind, but also grow and learn about ourselves. Mm -hmm. I love it. That's so exciting. So if people are interested in reading the book, where can they find it? So it'll be released in March of 2023, everywhere books are sold. It's available for pre-order through all major bookstores. But if you go to Norton's website and use the code TTRPT20, so 2-0, you get 20% off the pre-order, which nice. is pretty cool. Nice. And if people want to learn more about the certification, where could they go? So uh, the certification is through Geek Therapeutics, uh, so just geektherapeutics.com and the uh, therapeutic GM training or becoming a certified geek therapist is mm. through there. And then my practice is hqpsych.com or my website, meganside.com. Awesome. So for anyone that's listening, um, what kind of words that are exploring their niche that are maybe inspired by your story, do you have any final words you want to leave them with as people are stepping into more integrity and authenticity. I think it is just, you know, believe in the things that you're passionate about. There are, you know, there's so many people who are interested in things. And especially now for so many of us who are allowed to practice online across state lines, mm -hmm. it really opens the door to reaching all of those people. You know, if you are working in a small town and were worried that you couldn't find people who were interested in Magic the Gathering and using Magic the Gathering in practice, now you can, mm -hmm. you know, the, that ability to practice online and to practice across state lines really does open that door. Mm -hmm. You have to do a lot more market research as a learn to boot camp, but, <laughs> but it's very worthwhile. And, you know, it, you are, there are ways to reach the people who are interested in the things that you're interested in and the things mm -hmm. you want to do in therapy. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you, Megan, for being here. And I'm just so tickled by like what you are doing. It's really exciting. And I know so many of those people are the ripple effect, you know, as other clinicians step into this niche and help other clinicians. And it will continue, like I said, legacy work. You're doing some really cool stuff. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you all for listening. I hope that you were inspired by Megan's story. You too can figure out like, what is it that you're passionate about and turn that into a practice? Because 
It means longevity. It means you can do this well and for a long time. So if you want to get more information, go to zinnime.com. We have tons of free resources and we'll see you next time. I hope you loved today's episode. If you're a therapist who's tired of those long hours, low pay, and constantly battling burnout, don't forget our free video training designed just for you on how to build and grow a sustainable, profitable solo or group practice. Head over to zinnime.com slash podcast to check it out today. Until next time.